Welcome back to the Eat Scripture Podcast. This is Gina and Eric Robinson. And we are really glad to be back because we are getting to dig into Second Kings some more. Yes. Um, in fact, we left off at, I believe, 10... 20... 1018 is 10, what 18, I have. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. Still in the middle of Jehu's, you know, <laughs> domination of everything. He is really, really coming through with a heavy hand and taking everybody out, which is what the Lord has equipped him to do. So he's very much acting in line with that. We're kind of concerned with maybe he's stepping out of bounds a little bit, which we're only going to really be able to put those pieces together later. But there is something that kind of gives us some question mark about that. Still... What he's doing is mainly in line with, I mean, he's, he's, that's what God wants him to do is bring destruction on the house of Omri and house of Ahab. And so he's certainly doing that. So, and that is, God's going to even commend him for it. Yeah. It's very brutal. It sounds so brutal. Um, And yet God is going to commend him for it. So we'll see that before we're done today. Um, An interesting little piece, but now that we've reached this point, we've already seen him really deal heavily with the family deal very in a bloody way with the family itself with those who are sons of ahab and uh so out the Amr dynasty which mm-hmm. was what he was called to do right and he's done it in both the north and the south which is interesting because we didn't know he was going to do it in the south and he has not shied away from going after the king of the south because he certainly had um Ahab's blood in him. Right. They've been intermarried. Um, um, we talked about this before. They've become yeah. very, um, almost indistinguishable right. from each other. Yes. And that is the thing with North and South. So as we're reading it, it's very subliminal in here. Later on, of course, God is going to be very overt about how he talks about Judah should have seen the problems in North Israel and should have responded properly and then not walk down that path. But instead she too has walked down the same path and he'll be very, very specific about that. We're seeing that happen right here. It's just yeah. not coming out in that overt way. It's much more subliminal. So that's what's happened. He is bringing judgment on both houses. And now that he's really, really gone nuts on the house of Ahab in the north, he is going to now, uh, he's he's reached the point where he's going after the Baal followers, all the Baal followers, Baal worshippers uh, that are in the north. And so that's what we've reached that point in 1018. So in my Bible, that's where a page turns. And when I started reading this next part, after I'd read the other, mm-hmm. it was like, what? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Because he's using some deception again. Right. And that's a big theme in this whole thing is the yep. deception that's being um, used. Yeah, so definitely. That's what we're going to see now. So if, you're, if your ears are open, you'll be like, you might at first be like, wait, wait a second. I thought that was the exact thing you didn't want to do. But just keep, stick with us here because you'll see how this is going to work. So again, Jehu in the middle of his story, starting in 1018. Then Jehu assembled all the people and said to them, Ahab served Baal a little, 
but Jehu will serve him much. Now therefore call to me all the prophets of Baal, all his worshipers, and all his priests. Let none be missing, for I have a great sacrifice to offer to Baal. Whoever is missing shall not live. But Jehu did it with cunning in order to destroy the worshipers of Baal. And Jehu ordered, Sanctify a solemn assembly for Baal. So they proclaimed it, and Jehu sent throughout all Israel, and, and all the worshipers of Baal came, so that there was not a man left who did not come. And they entered the house of Baal, and the house of Baal was filled from one end to the other. He said to him who was in charge of the wardrobe, Bring out the vestments for all the worshipers of Baal. So he brought out the vestments for them. Then Jehu went into the house of Baal with Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, and he said to the worshipers of Baal, Search and see that there is no servant of the Lord here among you, but only worshipers of Baal. Then they went in let's see, yeah, then they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings. Now Jehu had stationed eighty men outside and said, The man who allows any of those whom I give into your hands to escape shall forfeit his life. So as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, Jehu said to the guard and to the officers, Go in and strike them down. Let not a man escape. So when they put them to the sword, the guard and the officers cast them out and went into the inner room of the house of Baal. And they brought out the pillar that was in the house of Baal and burned it. And they demolished the pillar of Baal and demolished the house of Baal and made it a latrine to this day. Ooh. Yes, that's ugly. I'll tell you, that's a um, nice little comment there at the end, which we'll you talk just about. In made a minute. it a toilet. Yep. Um, so the we start out here with this calling all of the Baal worshippers, Baal priests, prophets, uh, strongly connected Baal worshippers, to worship him at this big assembly that Jehu is setting up. Uh, using deception like he to. really wants to serve Baal too. Very much. And this is going to be this big deal. Pure deception. Yep. So this is his best way to get everybody there and he does it. This is how he does it. He gets them all there and they're all excited probably because they think oh, hey we've yeah. won this right. thing. Nobody's challenging us now. We've got a king who's fully on board with everything we do which boy if you weren't happy with the Ahab Jezebel way of doing things with Baal, then you certainly ought to be happy with Jehu, says that he, he's going to make Ahab look like he was barely worshiping Baal at all. Um, just come to me and, and uh, we'll have we'll be really worshiping Baal now. And so they all come for this assembly and they all, Jehu distributes vestments. I think that's interesting. Um, yeah. In 22, he distributes vestments for all the worshipers of Baal. So he brought out the vestments for them. Well, throughout the Bible, of course, the garments are, have mm -hmm. a lot to say. Yes. Um, a lot about who you are and what kind of person you are can be told in the clothing you wear. That's not to say, you know, that God looks at the outside, obviously. No, but uh, it has it is it's symbolic. symbolic. It means yes. something. Exactly. Because uh, there's always people changing clothes and yes. uh, putting on other people's clothes and all kinds of stuff going on. So That's right. when you're reading, pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. It's very important. It we is will be clothed important. in the end. That's right. We're yeah. going to be clothed in the garments that Christ gives us that right. we only get in Christ. We actually are clothes, clothed right. in those right now. Yes, we have those wedding clothes on. 
right now. And then there will be those who don't have those wedding clothes on who will be thrown out right. into outer darkness. Jesus tells that parable himself. So for this uh, to be here about, okay, he, he's got all these garments for everybody to wear. Who's coming to this worship service? Who's are, who are about to be slaughtered? I mean, this is his. So they're worshiping so, Baal and they have certain clothes they wear. Yes. When they do that. That's so, right. This is an easy way to tell who. Very identifiable, who. Right. right? Exactly. So the picture is one symbolically of what God is willing, uh, what God is doing. Whenever He's looking at people, He knows exactly who is the worshiper of Baal and who is the worshiper of His Son. And of course, we are clothed in His Son's righteousness, uh, as the New Testament says. And therefore, we can be, we stand righteous before Him. He sees our clothing, which has to do with His Son, and He knows we're His. And those who wears it wear other clothing are like these who worship something other than the right. Lord. Idols. Uh, idols. I don't know, which would be everything other than the Lord. It's actually an awesome picture. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And so when we, uh, but that goes with what we've been talking about Jehu being, which is very much our conquering Christ figure, conquering Christ type. He's a type of Christ. He is a type of Christ like the Christ that comes in. Revelation chapter 19. The Christ who comes not to be killed, not to give himself in sacrifice, not to meekly meekly go out of Jerusalem whenever it's being taken over like David would do. But instead, Jehu is that Christ type that comes in when it's time for judgment to come, God's vindication to be obvious to all. And he comes in with his sword and just kills everyone who's not on the side of Yahweh straight away. Now, that's not to say, like we said before, that Jehu's doing everything right because he's still just a human. He's still right. just a person uh, carrying out God's will. His so understanding he's gonna, of what he's been called to do, that's just what he's doing. limited. Yeah. And, yep, and so he's, he's very zealous <laughs> and it's sometimes easy to get um, off track. Off track. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jehu. As you know, as much as he may want to, probably on track here at this point. Yeah, exactly. But Jay, we're going to see pretty soon how Jehu still his heart though doesn't stay where it needs to, even if it's in the right, right place. Right, it's like it is right now. Right, but and uh, and so he's still just a human. Guess what? He's still just a person. Now Jesus comes and he's fully man, but thank God he's also fully God, and he's going to accomplish all that is right for us. Every type, though, will be limited, no matter how good it may be in some areas. Type is just a type. type. It's It's not the actual anti-type. Exactly. So that's what we continue to say as we study typologically here. But still, beautiful. Kind of a beautiful picture, symbolically, of God ridding His kingdom of all things that are not of Him. All enemies that He has which is what Paul is going on about in 1 Corinthians 15, how ultimately every enemy will be put under Jesus's feet. And so that's where we're we're seeing now how all the enemies of the kingdom are being put under the feet of God. They're being taken out. That's what's happening here. And he is the only king in Israel, in Israel, who really ever reverses the trend toward idolatry. Yeah, and the problem, but the problem is, well, yeah, the problem is the he's problem not here, really going to. There are no good kings of Israel. So right. as much as we're feeling good about Jehu right now, 
And Man, there must be something coming. Is a picture of the conquering. The conquering Christ. Christ. Yep. He. He's still gonna. We still know. Yeah. yeah. If we know anything, we know that there's got to be an off-track moment coming, and it is coming quickly here for us. But like we're seeing at the end of the passage you just read, verse there in verse uh, 27, to make a final hammer home the point, uh, we have the place where Baal worship took place has been made into nothing but a toilet now to this day it says in verse 27 so whenever that author or you know the compiler of this probably used several different sources and this could be one of those sources that he used and he just leaves it like it was written down in the first place whenever that person first wrote it down was to say that that uh, temple of Baal that used to be there, that's that public toilet we use right, right now. That's okay. what, yeah. So we just Both turned it into a big outhouse. So bad, so bad. So we're getting the, the picture is very obvious. It's meant to be that obvious. It's meant to be so clear. If you're worshiping Baal in his temple, you might as well be going into a toilet because that's, that's all you're gonna find in there is poop. That it's spiritual poop. Real poop, all go together. <laughs> that's what you find. I mean, yeah. so it's, yeah. it's it, as it does sound kind of funny, and yet that the symbolism is meant to be very serious, taken seriously. Right. Um, okay, so that so so it sounds kind of good here because he's just like we said, been going through and and he's cleansing, cut, cleansing Israel. Thank you. That's yeah. a good word. He is cleansing <laughs> Israel, and so this has been a good thing. Jehu has done in large part exactly what God wanted him to do so we're feeling pretty good when we get to this point now let's go ahead and read 28 through the end of the chapter and watch how the rest of his reign goes uh, in Israel thus Jehu wiped out Baal from Israel but Jehu did not turn aside from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. That is, the golden calves that were in Bethel and Dan. And the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in carrying out what is right in my eyes, and have done to the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart, your sons of the fourth generation shall sit, shall sit on the throne of Israel. But Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He did not turn from the sins of Jeroboam, which had made Israel to sin. In those days, the Lord began to cut off parts of Israel. Haziel defeated them throughout the territory of Israel, from the Jordan eastward, all the land of Gilead, the Gadites, and the Reubenites, and the Manassites, from Aror, which is by the valley of Arnon, that is Gilead and Bashan. Now the rest of the acts of Jehu and all that he did and all his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehu slept with his fathers and they buried him in Samaria and Jehoahaz, his son, reigned in his place. The time that Jehu reigned over Israel in Samaria was 28 years. Hmm. Well, again, you want to feel good about Jehu up to this point, but then we read 28 through 31, which is a nice little chiastic structure there. It's very clear what we're reading um, when we just put a little bit of 
just look at mm-hmm. it uh, kind of closely and you get it. You can see, see where it's going. Yeah. Um, so whenever we're looking at that, it's uh, verse 28 and 29 are matching with verse 31 on the other side. And so we have an ABA structure. Right. When we Which it's saying that, that Jehu wasn't careful to walk in the law of the Lord. And then the first part is talking about him leaving the golden calves that yep. were in Bethel and Dan. Yep. Um, right. But right there in the middle. Right there in the middle, though, is this yeah. commendation from God. Right. Um, and so it's not that God's not pleased with what he's done so far. And that's what makes it maybe even more disconcerting then that Jehu's heart doesn't stay true to the Lord. Why doesn't it? I mean, he's. And, and so immediately when we look at this, we find out he does not turn aside from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. That is the golden calves right. that were in Bethlehem. He left and those golden calves there. Oh my goodness. The very thing that the very first king of North Israel set up so that he could consolidate power mm-hmm. is the very thing that Jehu leaves in place. So Jehu's done away with the Baal worship. But... Still idolatry is still going on. Yep, there's still idols. There's still the idolatry. It's again, that's Yahweh worship. They would say, I mean, that's they're looking at the calves and calling them Yahweh. Behold, your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So that's what they consider those calves. But that's the problem. You go back to the Ten Commandments. That's what you can't do. I mean, it's not. You can call it. You can't call it Yahweh. You can't call it anything. You can't have a golden calf. Period. Um, and it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. if you go, call it by God's name. He won't be graven ba- images. Yep, yeah. He won't be assigned uh, a name. His name won't be assigned to graven images or anything else. Um, and so, yeah. So they're just continuing down that same path. And again, it has everything to do with consolidating power. I am. I am just convinced that's what we're supposed to see. Mm-hmm. Is that this is the problem men have, even those who set out to do the right thing is when they feel like if it, if they keep doing it, it's going to become a threat to their power structure, to whatever little kingdom they've created for themselves, that that's where we are most likely to get off track. We can start out doing really good things, but then if we kind of, once we've established ourselves in that area, anything that might threaten what we've built. We start holding on. We are much less likely then to do the right thing with. I think it's interesting that it says um, this part about, but you have done well in carrying out what is right in my eyes Mm -hmm. and have done to the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he says, your sons to the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. So he's giving him a dynasty. Yeah. Uh, He's going to let he is. He's going to get a now, dynasty. Now, it only says yes. to the fourth generation right. again. but So it's limited. It is. But it says that he did according to all that was in his heart, which makes me think of David, of course, who was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. But it then wasn't. Very, then in the very next verse, yeah, it's says, but Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. Yeah. So it was, he was doing part of God's heart. heart. Yes. Sorry. Committed. Um, I just think that's telling. 
Yeah, it's a really interesting contrast. Yeah. I think you're right. I think there's an intentional contrast there. Yeah. You did what was right in my heart and what I wanted done in my heart. Jehu, good job. But then we find out his heart wasn't fully, Jehu's heart wasn't fully involved, uh, fully into what he was doing for y'all. And of course that shows because he didn't. Yeah. Get rid of the golden calves. Yeah. Right. And continued on in Jeroboam's and to walk in the way of Jeroboam, which we keep hearing that over and over. Uh, you're supposed to walk in the way of David. Yeah. And it speaks loudly to us, probably because um, it does say something about the fact that we are able to do things for the kingdom that that are good things or they can be helpful things let's say Mm -hmm. for god's kingdom and yet our hearts can still we can still be holding part of it back we can still be trying to trying to use it to really establish our own selves and our own little kingdoms inside his kingdom that's icky yeah yeah it's just so important for us to always go deep in our heart and be very honest with ourselves about where we are what our motivations are why we're doing things it's a it's a big deal so then we get into verse 32 and following and immediately it tells us in 32 in those days the lord began to cut off parts of israel now don't at all read that and think you've started a new section that's directly related to what he just said that's the reason god is starting to cut off parts of israel is because still even with jehu he's got kings who aren't fully on board with him right so this is a judgment this is a judgment on on uh, israel even in the days of jehu their land is getting smaller yep the land he's getting reversing yep. the blessing that they had when they came into, when the, they land. Came into the land exactly it's we should have had shrinking. expansive borders but now we're having shrinking borders like you're saying exactly and so that shows it's a spiritual it's a spiritual problem mm-hmm. and that's what we see god god will you know I don't want to get, I say I don't want to get too spiritualized about this, but the fact is God shrinks our territory, if you will, our spiritual territory when we're not faithful with what we do have. I mean, that's just, that's Jesus used parables to tell it. If you're faithful in a little, you get to be faithful over much. And, but if you're not faithful in a little, even what you have will be taken away. And so we're kind of seeing that coming out here. What's that? You can't pretend. And you can't pretend. Yeah, you can't make it look great. Well, I mean, you might be able to get away with that in front of people for a little while. But God knows. But God, yeah. He knows what you You cannot is. pretend in front of God. He knows. what. So, so yeah. So, the Lord is, this is all, 32 is directly related to what we just read in 31. The Lord is began to cut off parts of Israel because the leadership still hasn't gotten in line. Uh, and taking away the golden calves even and done what they should do there. Everybody keeps walking in the sins of Jeroboam and something new bad. So no say even the good guys, <laughs> even the guys we have so much hope for and so much good expectation for. But we see especially here when he's talking about the land that's being cut off, well noticed it is that that those parts that are east of the Jordan are being shrunk down right now. Those there's two and a half tribes, uh, Gad and Manasseh and Reuben that sit outside on the east side of the Jordan and those are being taken over right now. God is reducing their territory by those. Uh, And so 
there's our specifics for what God is doing to uh, shrink the land, as it were. Um, but they should be getting the point and starting to follow right. God. But we're going to see that they're that's they're not really getting it. It actually feels like almost the beginning of their destruction, of their being carried away uh, into captivity, but they don't even know it. They yeah. don't even realize it. Yeah, it's happening, but it's just those little bits over there. So, yeah, uh, yeah. It hasn't reached them. If you're living in Israel or in Israel proper, you might call it, then maybe, yeah, yeah you're not. It's easy I mean, to. it's bad, but mm -hmm. maybe it's not well, so it's bad. It's over there. It's yeah. not right in your face. So yeah. It doesn't seem as real. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And it surprises me when we read this bottom part that he was, he actually reigned for 28 years. Because yeah. Yeah. It seems like a pretty long, long reign. <laughs> yeah. For somebody who's far from the Lord and isn't practicing like he wants. And yet, like God said, he did, you know, we go back to verse 30 where we watch, okay, God does give him a commendation there for doing what God wanted to do uh, to the house of Ahab. Jehu got it done. And if anything, like we've said about Kings before, we just keep seeing the grace of God throughout this book. That when people keep going the wrong way, he keeps giving second chances, third chances, fourth chances. He's just a God of grace, grace, grace. Generations of chances. Yeah, generations full of chances. And uh, boy, that just comes again and again and again. So to see it here, maybe shouldn't surprise us that much, although it does at first read. I'm with you. I saw that 28, 28 and I was like, wow, that's a long time uh, for a guy who's not been pleasing to the Lord. And yet, if anything, the Lord continues to show grace uh, all the way through this, even to those who are far from him. Now... We finally reach <laughs> Athaliah. So we're going to switch over and talk about Judah for a minute. Mm -hmm. And we'll start this part. We won't be able to yeah, we'll finish up her story, but here. we'll talk about her. Because I think most of us don't know about her. Right. Most people <laughs> don't realize there even ever was a queen uh, sitting alone on the throne right. of Judah. And there was for a very short time. Well, so It sounds like for seven, we'll seven years. We'll read it actually, seven uh, years, which yeah. is... Not nothing. No, nope, that's not nothing. <laughs> let's read. Let's okay. read from eleven one through three. Just one through okay. three. Now, when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal family. But Jehu, let's see. Jehosheba. Jehosheba. Oh, thank you. And Jehosheba, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being put to death. And she put him and his nurse in a bedroom. Thus they hid from Athaliah, so that he was not put to death. And he remained with her six years, hidden in the house of the Lord, while Athaliah reigned over the land. Mm. Well, that means so now <laughs> that Athaliah is on the throne. The first thing that Athaliah does when she hears Ahaziah, her son, is dead, is to start killing the royal family. Right. So now a king's going to have a harem. And in that harem will be several ladies, uh, certainly at this time and at all times, who have, um, who have had children. By the king, and there'll be more than one. It's not like he 
you know, and at that time, of course, it was even less likely that you could keep that, keep that under control, um, than you can today. Uh, but still it's never been kept under control. It's just one of those things. Men get power and then they have get women and they get women. Yeah. Yep. And then they sleep with those women and progeny are born. And so at that time, not unlikely at all that, uh, Ahaziah would have had several children, several young sons, uh, who are around. And apparently a daughter too. Right. <laughs> I'm sure some. Well, this one, yeah. And this one, this one isn't his daughter. This is the daughter of Joram, um, who is, you know, we've heard. Oh, about that's right. From it before. would have been his so, sister. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Um, but either, but what we're talking about is the fact that his sons, though, because they would be from other ladies, they wouldn't necessarily be any uh, have the same connection to then Ahaziah, uh, Athaliah. Athaliah is his mother. Your mother was the queen mother and she was the one with all the power. And she was Ahab's daughter. And she was Ahab's daughter and Omri's granddaughter. And so, so she very much in that same line. Yep, exactly. And if she doesn't want to lose power. So if one of his other sons, one of his sons now comes to the throne, her mother will be queen mother. His mother, I'm sorry. Whoever that son is, his mother will be queen mother and Athaliah will have no power. And this is why Athaliah is killing all the sons of Ahaziah because she wants to keep the power. That's right. She's all about the power. So if she can destroy all heirs, then she can keep her position as queen. And that's what she sets out to do. And she thinks she's destroyed everybody here. She thinks she's destroyed everyone, even down to infancy, which is exactly what this young man would be. He's a baby. He's still got a nurse. He's still got a nurse. We know he's just a baby because he's going to take the throne in his seventh year. Well, that's how long it's going to take for her to be on the throne is seven years. So he is a baby, baby. Yeah. He's a newborn whenever they start hiding him away. And so this gets interesting again, because there's some Moses like things happening now. Uh, um, the throne, the king on the throne, who's in the line of David, is uh, they're attempting to kill at his birth, and um, and he's going to be hidden away. In I've been where? worried about him being in a bedroom in the house <laughs> of the Lord. So interesting. He's <laughs> hidden in the house of the Lord. Yeah, they've got him a bedroom in the house of the Lord. That's the temple. Yes. Just in case you wondered. Where the where's the safest place to hide this kid? Well, hide him in the temple of Yahweh because, because you know Athaliah's never going to go there. in that's there. Right. Exactly. That's, right. that's, uh, that's now Athaliah. She is Jezebel's daughter too, or do um, we know that? No, we don't know that. Okay, we do not know that. She sounds like it. Uh, that's well, and that's again. We're going to talk about that more next time too. But she is the southern. She would be kind of the southern kingdom's version version of a Jezebel. Okay. That's what we're seeing here again. We're seeing it again, folks. We're seeing just like we have those matching names in North and Southern Kings. We have this matching woman figure who's leading Israel astray and doing everything she can to consolidate power and stay in power. Killing who she has to, doing what she has to do. I'm anxious to talk about this a little bit more because I'm going to be honest. I really have never heard this story. I know I've read it. 
but yeah. never thought about it or just read right over it. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's written for us to kind of do that anyway, but we'll talk about that more. Yeah. yeah we to dig into here. We will continue to do that next time. I know that was just a little tease so far, but come back, uh, listen some more because there's great stuff coming. We will talk about Athaliah at length and uh, look forward to talking to you again in a few days. God bless everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.